Welcome to KLO's Church again. My name is Pradeepan, one of the pastors here. So excited about what God is doing in this place. I got some of my cousins in town from Minnesota. Wow, Minnesota in the house. And they are Sri Lankan, and we all have Sri Lankan Minnesota accents, which will explain why I pronounce miracles, miracles. I'm not saying America. I'm saying miracles. I've been getting a lot of critiques on that since the first service, so let's just get that out of there. Okay, we're going to hear a lot of that word as we start a series called Miracles today, and I am so excited about this. And we concluded last week a session, a series all about emotions, all the feels, and I heard Pastor Amritha brought the house down with her message on godly counsel and counseling. Who cried here last week? Let's be honest, you little babies. Rick, you cry? Kirsten, you cry? Oh, wow. Babies. Awesome. I love it, though. It, it was just so cool for all of us to navigate emotions and feelings. And I, I just believe there's a level of emotional health that we're all starting the journey of walking in. I'm just so proud of you all for going through that. And this series on miracles, I really believe, is going to raise the level of hope we're all dealing with and experiencing. You know, I, I just believe that we all need some hope sometimes. There are impossible situations we face. Anybody here today facing an impossible situation where you're like, I need God to show up, whether in my finances, my health, my marriage, my family. And this series is all about having hope in the midst of impossible uncertain, devastating situations. And our, our media team through the hands of Rick Lunska, they created an intro video for this series on miracles. And I want you to see this. If you like Stranger Things, you're going to like this video. And it's going to set the tone for this series. Let's play that intro video. Love it. <laughs> well done. Love it, love it. So let's jump into Matthew 9, and we're going to read a story about miraculous healing. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their, their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. When the man got up and went home, he went to the crowd. When the crowd, when, Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. The title of my message today is, Why I Believe in Miracles. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this series and this message, your scriptures. I praise even right now you'd raise our faith that we place our trust in you in our impossible situations. And Lord, I pray that as we read your scripture, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. We pray in the name of Jesus. And Everybody said, amen. You know, I like this question Jesus poses. Is healing easier than forgiveness? In the time of this message, a man who was dealing with a sickness was lowered down to Jesus, and he said, your sins are forgiven. And they had a hard time believing that he could just forgive sins. They said, that's, that's blasphemy. 
And then Jesus poses this amazing question. Is it easier to forgive sins or to heal someone? And in the time of the Bible, it felt like they had an easier time accepting that Jesus could heal, but not that he could forgive. I feel like in our generation, we have an easier time feeling that Jesus can forgive but not heal. When it comes to the miraculous, when it comes to present-day miracles, we don't know, is God still in the miracle business? You know, I was, I was taught growing up that miracles were done with, miracles don't exist. And that all changed when I saw a video that really raised my level of faith in what I believed was possible in the supernatural. And for those of us who have a hard time believing, I want to show you a video that I guarantee will level your faith. Let's watch this video. What's he going to move? An ice cream cone. Checkmate, atheists. <laughs> Just kidding. How many of you guys believe in miracles now? God is at work. It's awesome. You know, but I, I grew up not believing in miracles, but that all changed when I, I started experiencing that. And uh, I remember there was this time where I went to the nation of Honduras, and there was a ministry called One Nation One Day where different nations like uh, Peru, Dominican Republic, Honduras, literally the president and the cabin, cabinet and the government said, hey, would you come to our nation and teach us about Jesus? And there's actually a guest speaker we have coming next week. You're not going to want to miss this. His name is Dominic Russo, and he started this ministry. He's led millions of people to Christ, been able to preach all over. And in one day, we entertained the question, can a nation be saved in a day? 
And so they gave us every single stadium, every single radio station, TV stations, schools, and just allowed us to preach and share our stories. And actually, that's the largest audience I was able to, able to speak to, 35,000 people in one stadium. And that was just like one of 18 simultaneous events. And so this guy's coming next week. It's going to be amazing. And uh, I was preaching the gospel at one of these events. And as I was preaching, a lady who wasn't even in the audience listening from far away she said she had a big growth on her stomach, a sickness. And as she heard us preach the gospel, she said something started to happen in her body and the growth started to shrink. And she was like, what's going on? So she gathered some of our, our teammates and they went over and she said, hey, what's going on? And we're like, we think God is healing you. So the team started to pray for her. And every time we prayed for her, she would burp. And the growth would shrink and something would come out of her mouth. So it would be like, Jesus, would you please heal this person? <laughs> oh, Jesus, would you come through? We believe you can do miracles. <laughs> Stuff would come out. Eventually, the growth was completely gone. No more burping. And she said, today, I will follow Jesus Christ. And she surrendered her life to Jesus. Come on, because of a supernatural healing. And so what, what do you do when you don't believe in miracles, but then you start to experience them? And my, my level of skepticism began to shrink just like that tumor. And when we talk about miracles, I can even tell, even in this church, we fall into two camps. Some of us are like, all right, finally, we're talking about the supernatural. I got a tub of anointing oil in my car. Let's get this thing started. <laughs> hey, get my chauffeur, Talila. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? <laughs> Where are my people like that at? You're like, come on. I believe in miracles. This is my time to shine. I got a banner in the trunk. I got <laughs> and then some of us were like, miracles? I don't know if I'm believing all of that. This church is about to get a little weird, a little hype a little cringy. It's going to be like, uh, man, I love science. I don't want this. Like, what is happening? And some of us are in the camp where we're like, you know what? I, you know, I did believe in miracles, but I've, I've prayed for things in my life. I've prayed for things in my family. And then the tragedy remained. The situation didn't change. I gave my hope to God and nothing happened. Have you ever felt that way? And so I, I acknowledge that, that we fall into different camps. And I just want to bring a biblical ethic on why I believe in miracles and why I personally believe in miracles. And so today, I just, I want to share that I believe in miracles because of, number one, the proof that we have. Number two, because of the culture it creates when we believe in miracles as the people of God. And number three, the mandate that Jesus has given us. And so the first one I want to talk about is this, the proof that we have for miracles. So what is a definition of miracles? I want to read a definition from Dr. Richard Pertel from Western University, and he says this, a miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature for the purpose of showing that God has acted in history, that God has acted in history. And by this definition, I want to offer as Christians, miracles are a normal part of our experience. And when we look at miracles, we can't just look at this like we need to measure this like science because it falls more into the realm of how we would attack a court case. I can't prove scientifically that you went to a party last week. And I know for a fact some of you aren't going to any parties. Sorry, Noah. 
I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. He throws a party every Friday, small group, Super Smash Brothers and Sisters in Christ. Come on, somebody. And uh, <laughs> about to play my, my how old are you, five-year-old cousin in, in Super Smash Brothers this afternoon. Really excited about that. Noah, you might want to come over. But anyways, I can't prove through science any of us went to a party. I can't prove through science in court that you didn't murder that person. But what we do in the court case is we gather witnesses, right? We gather evidence, and that's how we handle it. And I, I want to present some evidence of miracles. And I, I believe in the Christian experience, miracles are normal. You know, they say one out of four Christians in America, actually one out of four Americans, not even Christians in America, say they have experienced firsthand a miracle for themselves or a family member. That's one out of four. If there's 327 million Americans, that's like 80-some million miracles, even if like 90% of those are fake or placebos or, or just weird anomalies. That's still over a million miracles in our lifetime. That's wild. Just so we know, and we can be all on the same page, how many people here today would say, I have firsthand experienced a miracle? Just raise your hand. That is wild. That is crazy. One out of four Americans say that they have experienced a miracle. You know, I posed this question on our private Facebook group. If you're looking for more community, join our private Facebook group where we ask questions, we encourage one another, and we invite people to parties and things like that. And I asked, have you ever experienced a supernatural miracle? And I was so encouraged by the stories that people wrote. The Reese family, how many of you guys know and love the Reeses? The Reese family, they're here in first service. They said, our daughter went blind when she was a child. And so we prayed and fasted for our little girl, and she went blind because she, in a contest, stared at the sun all day. But then as they prayed, she recovered. She went blind by looking at the S-U-N, the sun, but she recovered by looking to the S-O-N, the son of God. Come on, somebody. <laughs> woo Can't have a sermon about miracles without a good pun. You guys feel that? You guys feel that? Is that the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Something's happening. <laughs> I was just encouraged by hearing these stories of supernatural miracles. And even your hands are raised because you've experienced miracles. I was researching this a little bit, and I saw some funded research projects, funded millions of dollars by Harvard and the University of Indiana. There is a doctor by the name of Candy Gunther Brown. She has a PhD from Harvard, and she heard that miracles were happening in Mozambique, so she brought a team where they would film people who were deaf and blind. They had Christians lay hand on these sick people to see if these miracles were true, if they were just made up. And with these cameras, they said every single person that was prayed for experienced healing in some way. And this was with a, a ministry called Iris Ministries, Heidi Baker Ministries, anybody hear of them? And so they observed it. They filmed it. This was a Harvard doctor doing a secular research project. And she said, I don't know what's happening, but I can tell you something is happening. How many of you believe that something is Jesus Christ, the one who conquers death again and again and again? She wanted to see if this was reproducible and heard about an outbreak of miracles in Brazil. So they brought their team Harvard team, University of Indiana team. You can actually read her book about it in Testing Prayer. That's what it's called. She went down there, and they did it again. They filmed it. They observed miracle after miracle. And her official report said that we recommend 
doctors to incorporate prayer in the healing process because it has been observed to bring advantageous results. Can we give Jesus some praise for that? A secular report. I, uh, I, I was reading an MD magazine on Thursday, just a normal Thursday for me, whatever, no big deal, I'm smart. And in a, a national survey of 1,100 U.S. physicians, they found that 75% of doctors believe that miracles have occurred and do occur. And sometimes, you know, we, we get a bad rap as Christians. You know, Christians believe in miracles because it's confirmation bias. It's just an echo chamber. They see them because they, they want to believe in them, and, you know, they have to believe in them. But these were doctors, and I, I think doctors are educated. Right? I, and these are secular doctors, so we can't chalk it up to just, you know, uncivilized and uneducated people who believe in miracles. 75% of U.S. doctors believe they have experienced a miracle. That is wild. And, and Christianity in, in a lot of places in the world is exploding. The church is growing the fastest in the world where Christianity is illegal in Iran. In places like Latin America and East Asia, the church is exploding primarily because of an evidence of miracles. This same secular, non-Christian Harvard doctor wrote that in many Latin American, Asian, and African countries where Pentecostal growth is occurring most rapidly, as many as 80% of first-generation Christians attribute their conversions primarily to having received divine healings for themselves or a family member. 80% of conversions because they experienced a miracle firsthand. And I, I think many of us have been taught that healings don't exist. You know, when the Bible was written, miracles stopped, but... I, I, I found that a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And we believe in miracles. We have seen them. We're experiencing them. We've seen divine miracles heal here at Kalos Church. We've seen financial miracles. When we first started the church, Amrita and I, we had $100,000 of debt eliminated in a day. We've seen God do things financially. With healings, we've seen marriages supernaturally brought together. We believe in miracles because of the proof that we have. As the great philosopher and theologian Audrey Hepburn says <laughs> from Breakfast at Tiffany's, she says, anybody who does not believe in miracles is not a realist. Now, I think it's easier to defend that one miracle has happened than defend that the millions of miracles people say they experience never happened. And so I want to help you experience a miracle yourself. And actually, we're going to witness a miracle right here in this service. And I'm really excited. I, I believe that this is going to raise the level of faith and hope that you have. There's a, there's a pastor who, who's infected with a, a, a disease in his throat where he, he lost his voice. And because he lost his voice, he was no longer employed as a pastor. They actually got rid of him. He couldn't preach. He couldn't lead worship like he loved to. And for three years, he went to over 60 doctors looking for a cure. He actually went to a Swiss symposium for voice doctors, and he asked, what are my chances of recovery? And they said, you have a zero chance of recovery. And, I mean, hope was gone. And one day, a church invited him to speak, and he could speak in kind of a really raspy voice, but it really hurt, really struggled. And they said, hey, we know your voice is difficult, 
We know we might not understand everything you have to say, but would you just minister at a Sunday school service? And so he agreed to do it. And as he preaches about the healing power of Jesus Christ, even while dealing with the sickness in his voice, even while dealing with the devastation of losing his job and not knowing what his calling was anymore, he still proclaimed that Jesus can and will heal. And I want to show you a clip of an experience he had with the healing power of God. Let's play this video. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. So the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. In verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm both overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. Sounds funny to say a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Can we give God some praise? So like in a court case, I believe in miracles because of the proof that we have. Number two, I believe in miracles because of the culture it creates. I want to believe in miracles. I'm so excited to believe that God can do anything at any moment. I want to live my life in expectation of what is going to happen. What is God going to do? You know, I, I just believe that when we have expectancy, expectancy creates an atmosphere for more miracles. So many times in the scripture, Jesus responds to people's faith. Now, I don't understand this. I don't understand that Jesus isn't always moved by needs, but he was consistently moved by faith. In the kingdom of God, I see over and over in the scripture that, that faith is almost like a currency. When we have faith, Jesus marvels, and he's moved to action. In Matthew 9, like we read earlier, it says some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, 
Everyone say faith. faith. When he saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Demonstrating the opposite of this, in Matthew 13, a lack of faith demonstrates, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? So they, they believe in the miraculous power, they see it, but then they start to talk themselves out of it. 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. Verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So we see Jesus heal as he's moved by faith. He marvels at faith. We see the scriptures say he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. And so many times we have a stance of, hey, in order for me to believe it, I need to see it. But in the kingdom of God, we have to believe it to see it. Our faith is a currency. Our faith moves God. Now, our faith isn't in faith. God isn't a genie where we get whatever we want just because we pray. Our faith is in God. And there are still things I'm praying for where I haven't experienced God move. And sometimes I, I pray for endurance and long-suffering. Sometimes God doesn't work in my timing and my way and my will, but I still have faith that God can do anything at any moment. I still have faith that God is good, he is able, and he's willing to perform a miracle in my life. And I believe that Jesus responds to our faith. You know, I have a I have a, a best friend, and in high school, we went on a ski trip, lived in Minnesota. We didn't have a lot of big mountains, but we had a lot of snow. And I was on this ski trip, and my friend was about 20 feet above me in one of those ski lifts, like the gondola. And I'm on the ground, and I, I thought I would pull a prank on my friend Ben. And I say, hey, Ben, jump down to me. He doesn't even look below him. He just trusted my words, and without hesitating, he jumps off the lift. He falls to the ground takes a lot of pain, <laughs> hurts himself pretty badly. He goes, bro, that hurt. I was moved by his faith and his trust in me. <laughs> Should he have trusted me? No. <laughs> Did I think he would jump? No. Am I glad he jumped? Yes. <laughs> My good friend? Probably not. <laughs> but his faith was so shocking to me, and it moved me. And when we trust God, I think it moves him. He's like, my people love me. We are the people of God. I, this might be crazy, but I think believers are called to believe <laughs> that God can do anything. We're the kind of people that when God says jump, we say, how high on the way up. Amen. And so in the kingdom of God, believing is seen. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but sometimes God comes through in such a miraculous way where we can't help but declare God is in our midst. I had a mentor in high school say to me, Pradeepin, if you pray for a thousand people to get healed and they don't, will you still pray for the next thousand that's sick? Because there, there are times where I pray for a lot of people and nothing's happened. But there are times where God intervenes and something miraculous happens. And I can't help but say, God is alive. God is in our midst. And I believe in miracles. And so I choose to believe in miracles because when we do, we start to see more of them. 
our expectancy creates an atmosphere for miracles. So even when we get ready for church on Sunday mornings and we set up screens and set up a kid's area, we're moving chairs, we're not just setting up chairs. No, we're leaning in and we're setting up a foundation for God to do something amazing. We expect a miracle. We expect God to do something wonderful. We expect to see the beauty of Jesus in our day. So I believe and I choose to believe in miracles because of the culture it creates. Amen. Amen. Number three, why I personally believe in miracles is this, because of the mandate we've been given. You know, we are called as Christians to be dealers of hope. I am so sick of people in our community giving up on life, aren't you? I'm so sick of people giving up on themselves. I'm sick of people giving up on their marriages, giving up on having hope in this world. A quote I like says this, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. And I believe that the world more than ever needs hope, and part of our calling as believers is to deal that kind of hope. And I believe in miracles because Jesus believes in us to perform them. John 14 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, anybody believe in Jesus today? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. He says all who believe. He doesn't say up until the Bible is written. He says all who believe, and I believe in Jesus. And he believes in us to perform even greater things. That's amazing. Mark 16 says this. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Anybody here believe that God is doing amazing things? Come on. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Jesus said signs and wonders will follow those who believe, not the other way around. We don't have to chase miracles. We chase Jesus, and when we do, miracles are sure to follow. Miracles, signs, wonders will follow those who believe. These are the words of Jesus and one of the reasons I choose to believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because Jesus believes in us to perform them. Amen. And so I, I just want to live my life in anticipation. What if God shows up? What's going to happen? For those of us who are choosing to live a life where we say, I don't want to get my hopes up because what if it fails? What if it doesn't work out? I don't want to be disappointed. Can I challenge you? Can we be a people where we get our hopes up? Where we say, Jesus, if you did it back then, you can do it again. And I'm not going to live a defeated life. I'm not going to give up on hope. I'm going to deal hope. I'm going to live in hope. I'm going to believe that God can do anything. I expect a miracle to happen in us, through us, with us as a community. God can do the impossible. God is still in the miracle business. Can I get a better amen, Kalos Church? God is still in the miracle business. You know, and there's a, another study I've been reading that, honestly, every time I read this, I tear up. It's devastated me. It's something that has uh, haunted me. You know, these, these last years have been some of the darkest years of my life. 
And this quote is one of the reasons why one study published in the American Journal of Public Health in April 2017 finds the life expectancy in the United States of those born with autism to be 36 years old as compared to 72 years old for the general population. You know, my, my son has autism, and for the first two years, you know, he was uh, a neurotypical developing child, had 40 words before he was age two, and then suddenly lost those words, went down to one, lost eye contact, suddenly couldn't engage, couldn't throw a ball, uh, was really hyper-aggressive, started destroying things, smearing things. It was just so dark. And we went to the doctors, and they said, hey, we don't know where this comes from. We don't know why your son's personality has shifted. And we just challenge you to accept this. This is how it's going to be. Your son might live in an institution for the rest of his life. He's probably not going to experience a normal life forever. And you just need to learn to love him as a differently brained person. And you know, I, you know, I'm fine with loving my son for his differences, and I'll, I'll love him just as he is. I don't need him to change in his personality. But then part of the things that they told us was just accept the fact that his life expectancy is going to be 36 years old or less. You know, as a believer, but as a, a father, that, that devastated me. And it just entered such a time of darkness. And this, this message series, Miracles, isn't just for us to preach, man. We're confronted by these scriptures. We're confronted by hope. But we have decided as a family, we're going to believe in hope. We're going to believe that the God of miracles can do the impossible in our life and that 36 is not the foundation that we stand on. But Jesus Christ is the foundation that we will build our family on. And we choose to believe that God can heal our son. We choose to believe that our son can live past 36 years old and he doesn't have to die from drowning or wandering or a self-injurious accident. He doesn't have to succumb to any of these reports that people have been telling us to accept. We choose to believe that God has life and life abundantly for our son and that miracles are normal for the Christian. And so for those of us who say accept a life with hope, without hope, we say no, we will get our hopes no, we will believe in Jesus Christ. The one who created the heavens and the earth can create a miracle in our life. The one who has healed the blind, raised the dead, the one we place our hopes in is in our family. And so we will get our hopes up. And for those of us in this place who are facing an impossible situation, get your hopes up. For those of us who are wondering, will God be there for me? He loves you. He wants good things for you. And I, I just want to cultivate in this series an atmosphere of faith. And I have already started to hear testimonies from the first service of people being supernaturally healed. It's amazing. And if you're here and you need a miracle, whether it's a supernatural healing, whether it's a financial miracle, or whether it's something for your kids, your marriage, or just anything, maybe it's for you, maybe it's for someone else, if you're willing to lean in and say, hey, I'm going to believe God for a miracle, for me, for my family, for those around me. I want to pray for you. So if you need a miracle and you're willing to believe that God can do the impossible, would you stand up to your feet? And this isn't for everybody to stand up. But if, it, if you need a miracle and you're willing to believe that God can do something for you, stand up as a gesture of faith saying, I'm leaning in. 
I'm going to expect a miracle. I want something different than my reality. I'm going to contend for the miraculous. I'm going to contend for the impossible. And I just want to pray for you. If there's someone around you, would you just stretch your hands towards them as a gesture of saying, I'm believing for your miracle. You can use my faith for your miracle. And I'm just going to pray right now. Dear Father, we lean into you as the God who does the impossible all the time where the impossible is nothing to you. Lord, we contend for the supernatural and miracles, and we lift up all our infirmities, all our ailments, all our sicknesses. We lift up all our allergies. We lift up all the doctor's reports and all the diagnoses, Lord. And we say, hey, would you bring a miracle in our midst? Jesus, we believe in you. We believe you are good. You are willing. You are able to bring something out of nothing. You can cure the sick. And so Lord, right now we lift up all of our finances. We lift up all of our relationships. We lift up generational curses and unforgiveness in our families, people we haven't talked to in years or decades. And so, Lord, we speak to all of these impossible situations. I speak to sickness right now, and I say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Sickness, you have no authority in this place. And we say, be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Shoulders, be healed. Allergies, be healed. Headaches and migraines be healed. Cancer be removed in the name of Jesus. Autism and personality and language that has been gone and inflammation and gut issues be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that nothing will get in the way of what you're doing in this place. And so we say evil forces, demonic oppression be removed in the name of Jesus. We trust you. We worship you. Lord, we ask that your perfect will be done in this place and that heaven would invade Bellevue right now we pray in the name of Jesus and for those of us who believe that God is at work God is doing something amazing even in our midst can we give him a huge round of applause even in faith saying God we trust you we worship you in advance for what you're doing for what you're about to do and even right now in this environment if you have had something maybe like a pain, a joint issue, a sickness, and you haven't been able to move a part of your body maybe in the past, why don't you try moving that right now? If you're feeling like God's doing something, why don't you put it to the test? Because already in first service, we've seen miracles, and I believe that the best is yet to come.